Well, as always, it's so good to be with you here in worship with my brothers and sisters and friends in Christ, both here in the sanctuary and online. My name is Sherry Oxendale, and I am the pastor of discipleship and care here at church. So happy Mother's Day. Thank you. We have four children, and we're very proud of them, as a mother should be. Anyway, so I would like to ask anyone who is a mom to please stand if you're able. That's a lot of moms. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're getting ahead of me. Getting ahead of me. You're getting ahead of me. So, Forrest, what are you doing standing up? <laughs> So if you came with one of these beautiful women that are standing, please stand up with them. Okay, if a mother had you, if you have a mother, please stand up. That means everyone in here should be standing, if you're able. Now, for the mothers that are here, we're going to give them a standing ovation. So... So please have a seat. So I want to say right up front, and Adam, Adam included this in his prayers, sometimes um, I just want to acknowledge that Mother's Day and also other holidays can be difficult times, even for moms. And I'd like to encourage you to just um, take some time today and sit with that emotion. It's okay. Um, I know this morning as I did my morning prayers, I thought about my mom and my grandma, who ha grandmas who have gone on before me, and I thanked God for, for what they gave me. I thank them for, I thank God for, first of all, their um, just, just being gentle, but also stern. I thank God for their kindness and also their seriousness. I thanked God for their senses of humor. I thanked God for their hugs and with kisses. And I thanked God for their discipline that was followed with consequences. But mostly I thanked God for, for their love. Love that they were able to give me because God first loved them. Reflecting on my mom and my grandmothers makes me realize that um, I need to be thankful. I need to... I need to be in this moment, praising them for what they did, but then living into today, where we are right now. So this past weekend, um, we went to go visit my daughter who lives in San Ramon, California. And last year I was honored to give the Mother's Day message and I, and I had you guys watch, look at Isla's first pictures because she was born a few days before Mother's Day. Well, this time you get to look at party pics. <laughs> so, so um, and yeah, I'm that grandma. I'm also going to explain to you exactly what's happening in the pictures. So, so the first picture, it looks like Isla is reaching for that cake, that cake that my daughter constructed out of all kinds of healthy things, including a yogurt frosting, blueberries around the edge, you know, a really one of those healthy cakes. We didn't have to eat it. And <laughs> but really, she's reaching for the candle because um, her dad had been practicing with her how to blow it out. So it was really cute watching her blow. The next picture is Isla's gotten into the cake, and she has decided she is queen for the day. She even has her spoon as her scepter. 
And what you can't see is that she has her subjects lined up in front of her, all of us with our phones and our videos, taking pictures of her. And yep, she, all the adults did exactly what she wanted all day long. <laughs> the last picture is a picture of my daughter and her husband, Brooke and Brett, and helping Isla open her gifts. And believe me, she got enough gifts to last her a year. So, so, so celebrating um, milestones with your children is so fun and so rewarding. And the added bonus of being a grandparent is that you get to see your own children be parents. I know that um, the responsibility of caring for another human is probably the biggest responsibility that we will ever have. And yet, it's so rewarding to know that I have faith that both Brooke and Brett will continue to protect and provide for Isla with unboundless love for the rest of her life. Well, the rest of their life. And that's a love that overflows from the love that God gave them. A love that will never end. So in both the New and the Old Testament, um, God's love is expressed the same as um, love is reflected by a mom. So a mother's love. One example in the Old Testament is in Isaiah 66, 13. And God gives us a promise. It says, as a mother comforts her child... I will, so I will comfort you. An example from the New Testament is in Luke 13, 34. And Jesus is comparing um, his love and care to that of a mother's hen as he grieves for Jerusalem. And he says this, How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Mother love. That's a special kind of love. It marks and makes our human experience. A human child remains dependent on his or her mother longer than any other species that we know of. So the word mother can bring different images into our mind. Um, the images up here, um, the first one, the word mother maybe brings life-giving energy, that image. Self-giving love, nurturing care, as Christians, we say God is love. Our first and most powerful human experience of love begins in the womb and continues into the arms of a mother. She brings new life into this world at risk of her own life. She accepts this life, nurtures, and defends it. And it's in the same way that we describe God's love for us. God of love, God of grace, God who sacrificed self so that we can have life. A mother or a mother figure can be like a window into the mystery of God's incomprehensible love. I mean, can we really understand the type of love God, the creator of the universe, has for us? But a mother's love is something tangible that we can think about it. We can think about God's gentleness. We think about God bringing us into being and then embracing us with her kindness and protecting us with her strength. Just this past week, I heard a mom um, tell me her children were surprised to learn of her accomplishments as, as a weightlifter. She's a humble mom, so I'm not going to real, reveal her name, but she's been here since eight, sometime in the eight o'clock hour, and she'll remain here. And if you have children bound in the children's room, she's in charge of them. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, I have some of her awards with me. So this one is Mightiest Lifter, this one is Strongest Lifter, 
and she has a couple other ones here. So she, I mean, I asked her to do this. She dusted them off and brought them, and they're pretty impressive, right? Well, her children were impressed too, and a little bit surprised that their mom was something other than their mom. So, so sometimes we see moms as one-dimensional, and that's the same in the Bible. A lot of times we um, stereotype or cast the women of the Bible as one certain type of woman. Um, in fact, sometimes we believe that the ideal biblical woman is one who is outwardly attractive, reserved, submissive, entirely domestic, known only for being a husband, a husband, <laughs> I hope not, known for only being a wife and a mother. Well, that's just not so. Um, moms today and moms during biblical times have so many talents and abilities, and they share these with their children, their community, and and the nation and the world. So March was Women's History Month, so many of you may have heard about many different women who have impacted our nation and our world um, all throughout history. So today I would like to share with you a little bit about just a few of the strong women that are described in our Bible. So I only have six up here, and I will tell you that's a very short list because there are many more. I left out Naomi, Ruth, the mother of Jesus. I mean, there's Lydia, there's all kinds of women, but I pulled these six um, from the Old and the New Testament. The first is Miriam, and Miriam is a prophet. She was there in the Exodus. She was right beside Moses. She is the older sister of Moses that actually um, connect, hooked Moses up with a princess so Moses could be raised in a palace. So, you know, help save his life. But she was also there in the exit, in, while they were out in the desert. She helped, um, she helped with the spiritual well-being of the people that were there. Next up is Deborah. Deborah was a judge of Israel for 40 years, a time of peace for the most part. And her story is in Judges. She was the judge for 40 years. And this is a time when Israel only had judges. They didn't have kings during this time. So she was the leader of Israel. Um, next up is Abigail, and she's a homemaker um, her story is told in First and Second Samuel, and I'm going to come back to her, but just know Abigail's there. Next is Esther, who became queen, and through her position and what she did, she sacrificed, well, she put her life on the line and saved all the Jews of Persia from being annihilated, completely destroyed. What a woman. Next up is Mary Magdalene, so we've moved to the New Testament. Mary Magdalene was a follower of Jesus. She was also called, is also called the Apostle to the Apostles. Mary Magdalene was a loyal disciple of Jesus. She was with him through, through it all. She stood at the cross while Jesus died, while the other disciples abandoned him. She was there to help prepare his body for burial. She was the first to see him resurrected and the first to spread the good news. Next up is... Um, Priscilla. And Priscilla was an early church leader. So the Apostle Paul, who wrote very much of the um, New Testament, the Apostle Paul recruited Priscilla and her husband Aquilus to be some of the first leaders of the early church. It's, it's interesting to note that whenever the couple is mentioned, Priscilla is mentioned first, which shows that she was the leader. It's really unusual in the Bible to have that happen. So all of these women had different roles. They lived during different times. They faced very, various obstacles, not the least of which was that they were in a very male-dominant society, culture. 
their freedoms were restricted, and the use of their abilities was probably also restricted. Yet these women were strong in their faith, and they allowed God to use them for good. So I said I'd get back to Abigail, and Abigail's story is found in First and Second Samuel. So starting in 1 Samuel 25, if you want to follow along or if later you want to read this story, um, there are three characters. The first is Abigail. And Abigail is described in the Bible as an intelligent and beautiful woman who was wife to Nabal. Nabal is described as a very wealthy man who was surly and mean in his dealings. That's from the NIV version. Other versions might say something else. And he was also the husband to Abigail. David is a military leader of 600 men. He's a national hero. So this is the same David, just so you know, that he was the youngest son of Jesse. He was anointed by Samuel. Um, it was the same David that fought Goliath, soothed Saul, King Saul, with his music, who would become king after Saul. It's the same David who wrote much of the book of Psalms. So this is a, this is a prominent person in the Bible. Well, this is how the, the Bible tells the story of Abigail. David and his men were out in the wilderness. 600 men, David. Nabel's um, shepherds and sheep and goats, they were also out in this wilderness. And we're not talking a few sheep. We're talking he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. So they're also out in the wilderness. So while they're out there, David's men um, didn't mistreat any of the shepherds, didn't take any of their goods. In fact, they acted as a protection to this family, this group, as um, they were out there in the wilderness alone. Well, so sheep shearing time comes. Well, that's a great time to rejoice and celebrate. We're, gonna, we're going to make some money off these sheep. And so David sent 10 of his young men to go to Nabal and tell him, um, tell him this. I'll just, we've got it up here. He says, long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable to, toward my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. So David sends a blessing, three lines worth of blessing. And then he also tells about the service his men has provided this household. And then he humbly asks, the words he uses is, whatever you can find to give them. He didn't say, give me this. He didn't demand. He asked. And so keep in mind, this culture, it was a huge cultural norm that you showed hospitality to anybody that came. So that's the way it should be. So David's, me David's men delivered the message to Nabal, and this was Nabal's response. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to the men coming from who knows where? So the ten men returned to David and reported every word to David. And David's response was to strap on his sword and tell 400 other men to strap on their swords too. The other 200 were going to stay with the provisions. Now fortunately um, for the household of the wealthy Nabal, one of the servants understood what was happening. And the servant went to Abigail and, and told her, this is what's happening. And these men are going to come and wipe us out. And so Abigail reacted quickly. She, she told her servants, take 
I want you to take 200 loaves of bread, wine, five sheep that are already prepared, grains, cakes of raisins, cakes of figs, load them up on donkeys and take them out. And I am coming along also. And that's what happened. So if you're following along in your Bible, you need to skip down to, chat to verse 21. So back in David's camp, this is his sentiment and this is what he says. It's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. Exclamation point. David is ticked. He is so mad. He is so angry. He even tells God that God can punish him if he doesn't annihilate all the males in that household. So picture it, here's Abigail riding into a ravine, and here's David with his 400 men coming down the hill at her. She's on a donkey, she jumps off the donkey, lays prostrate in front of David, her face to the ground, and, um, and says this. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord, because you fight the Lord's battles, and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. So she humbles herself, and then she tells him that he needs to fight the Lord's battles. Actually, she doesn't tell him that. She says he's going to be honored because he fights the Lord's battles. He doesn't fight his own battles. His battles for his pride was injured. Somebody denied him hospitality. He's fighting for what the Lord says. He's, he's um, wants him to do. So Abigail finishes her plea to David by reminding him that by not taking vengeance on the household, his conscience will be spared the, and I quote, staggering burden of needless bloodshed of having avenged himself. David then takes a breath, I'm guessing, or a few, and blesses Abigail. He blesses her for her good judgment and her quick acting, and he tells her if she wouldn't have come quickly, have, he would have annihilated the men in that, and the males in her household. So in this story, we see that Abigail has earned the people's trust. We see it because the concerned servant didn't go to Nabal. The concerned servant went to Abigail. Abigail is also a very capable woman. She's capable of managing and directing a huge household. And then at very short notice getting together um, supplies and a meal for 600 men. Abigail's an intelligent woman who saved her entire household. She also saved the future king of Israel and his men from some unnecessary bloodshed and going against God's will. So we see a woman who, against all cultural norms, operating behind her husband's back, she saved her husband. She saved his possessions and saved many other lives, at least the lives of the males in her household. So the rest of the story, the short version, is when Abigail returned from her meeting with David, she went, she went back to her husband, Nabal, and he was having a big party and was drunk, and so she decided not to talk to him at that moment. Another sign of wisdom. <laughs> but she waited till morning, and when she told him what had happened, um, his heart grew faint, and 10 days later he died. So um, David heard of this, and he asked Abigail to marry him. They got married, and then you hear again about Abigail in Chronicles because 
she and David have a son. So, Another book in the Bible that has a lot to say about women is Proverbs. And so Proverbs is a book of wise sayings intended to teach people how to live a godly life. And most of Proverbs is attributed to Solomon, who is supposedly the wisest man that ever lived. But I'm going to talk about chapter 31, and it is attributed to um, being written by King Lamuel. And I will say at the very beginning of that chapter, it says that King Lamuel learned all that he knew from his mother. <laughs> I collapse. That's funny. <laughs> it is Mother's Day, so I can say things like that. So um, some scholars say that what he wrote isn't necessarily a description of just one, per one woman, but a composite of all the good qualities from woman, a godly woman with noble character. And so Adam read this earlier, but I'd like to read it again, only this time as you listen to it, pick out the traits that um, you see in the godly women around you. And also, you might hear the word children or husband, and it kind of gives you an indication of, of what you are called to value. Proverbs 31, 25 through 31. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gate. So each one of us is blessed with a variety of skills and talents and gifts and we are called to use those talents and abilities to express love for God, love for our families, love for neighbors, love for our world. So today we are honoring our moms, and that's great. We celebrate how they were uniquely made to give us life, to love us, to nurture us, to protect us, and help mold us into the people that we are. That's today. So tomorrow, or you can do it today if you want, I challenge you to take stock of your current situation, where God has placed you right now. Evaluate your skills and talents, your abilities, all of these things are blessings from God. And then ask yourself this question. In the place God has put me, am I using or trying my best to use all that I am to demonstrate God's love? When others look at me, what do they see? When others hear me, what do they hear? Are they seeing and hearing someone who loves God with all their heart? their mind, their soul, and their strength? When they see me, do they see someone who loves their neighbor as myself? Do this. Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for giving us life, nurturing us, and giving us this beautiful world to live in. Thank you for the overwhelming, unconditional love you offer us. We love because you first loved us. Please receive our human love back, the love that we are able to offer you. 
Let us honor you by showing our love to our families and our neighbors. Today especially, bless our mothers. Let the example of their faith and love shine forth. Grant that we, as daughters and sons, may honor them always with a spirit of respect and appreciation. Help us each day to stand for love, for healing, for the good, and for the diverse unity of the body of Christ, because we know this is what you desire. May we be one family, joined at peace through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So as we continue in worship,